What's up, folks? If Kevin and I can ever nail an intro, we can possibly nail our sports content for this show. Hopefully we pull it off. What do you think, Kevin? Hey, that was the first one in a long time where we had to redo the intro because we tried to do the three, two, one, and I'm not looking at Paul. When he's in studio, it's a lot easier, but there's a little bit of a delay, and i got to hit an OK button, and sometimes you, you jump the gun, which I like. That means you're eager. But Kevin talks through his eyes. <laughs> He speaks through the pool, the twin pools of his eyes. Ah, you can feel it. You can feel. You can feel when I'm hitting okay. But yeah, you've been really good on that, Paul. Uh, I've been proud. Well, of you. you you made the mistake of treating me as a broad, broadcast professional early, yeah. and uh, I had to learn the hard way that it's three, two, <laughs> one, skip a beat, begin. Oh man, TV producers especially would get so angry back in the day. Three, I- two, one go so so my instinct is just as mm, of the one is coming out of your mouth i want to instantly start talking and uh no bueno but kevin trained me like a like an obedient golden retriever puppy i've learned the ways yeah unlike goldens though goldens are like the sweetest souls on earth you got a good soul but you're not a golden retriever i'm more of a pit bull more of a pit bull i was just thinking that but uh yeah i'm excited man i'm excited to uh just to shoot the shit with you i always have fun doing this we appreciate all the listeners i've got a i've got a lot of people that either tweet or come up to me and say hey really really dig the podcast so thank you to all y'all that's cool man yeah and i bet more most of them i'm guessing are probably really hot women in their early to mid 20s is yeah, that right i've got there there are a lot of college girls that come up to me and say that actually yeah. no now it's usually usually dudes although i'll say this i mean i've had older women come up and say that there you go there you go yeah i got no problem i got no problem with that age range uh, i got no problem with that either uh you might learn a thing or two my man yeah i learned that in my 20s i had a little cougar phase where i went cougar hunting, especially especially after the real world um at that point (laughs) oh yeah i pretty much hit all the age brackets that, that was the height of your attractiveness to the general female population. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I think uh, I'm doing okay right now, but it wasn't like that. And, oh, I'm uh, not denigrating. I'm oh, just saying no. famous helped. Yeah. Well, no. And, and I think now I, uh, the, the women that are attracted to me are ones that I like more. So, But, yeah, you're right. In terms of the total pool, no doubt about it. And I was definitely at the age to take advantage of it. But then I realized, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to, uh, what was it? Uh, River City or what was the place up north? You probably wouldn't have been living here, but it was a cougar den. And oh, I remember that place. Yeah, cool, cool river, cool river. And yeah, and so Rod and I have laughed about it because Rod and some of the football players would go up there. But yeah, it was a great place to meet milfs, and yeah, I did learn a thing or two. There you go. Well, hey, guess what I learned? That's pretty interesting. What's that? It's our man Gabe Winslow's birthday today, and you and I are both low-key birthday guys. I think Gabe, my read of it, he's a medium key birthday guy. Not not doesn't make it a huge, huge deal, doesn't do the like, this is my week. But I think Gabe likes being told happy birthday. You know, he kind of slipped that into a conversation with me. So let's let's wish Gabe a happy birthday. And Kevin, here's what I want our listeners to do. If you have not explored either getting your new home mortgage, of course, or refi, even more likely, with Gabe, if you've been putting that off, if you've been not exploring your options and getting your financial world in optimal order, pick up the phone. I want you to call 832-557-1095 or go to mortgagegabe.com and reach out to him. Tell him happy. You're going to put him in a good mood. I bet he's going to lower your interest rate about an eighth of a point. Probably take a big hit on his commission and uh, you're going to be whistling all the way to the bank. What do you think, Kevin? Uh, I think you're dead on. And happy birthday, Gabe. He is definitely someone to work with. He's just been fantastic uh, working with him. He's been awesome. So, But, yeah, medium happy birthday, guys, probably the, the right way to go because I think one of our problems is is that it's taken us too long just to be able to accept, like, happy birthday. It's like, all right, just, just say thanks and say, hey, I'm going to enjoy the day. Well, I, I, I've had girlfriends that are like very fired up about it. And what do you want to do for your special day? And I'm just like, <laughs> you know, and I'll just, I'll do the like, dad, I'm, I'm just happy. I've got a family I love. And, right. Like I, you know, I do that kind of bullshit and people just want to strangle you. Right. Yeah. Like, 
and or I'll be like, oh, you know, there's some darn tough socks. I hike a lot. They're $14 on Amazon. Get me a pair of those. And people are like, they want to throttle me. I had someone tell me, I think it was my late 20s, or early 30s, and they gave me a compliment. And I don't know what it what it is about my personality. I think it's probably a good thing to, to lean this way. But I, you know, I just made a joke about it. And I said, hey, love you to death, but you really need to learn how to take a compliment, a genuine one. And I took that to heart. And so now I just usually will look back at the person and say, keep going, keep going. Yeah, go on, go on, go on. Oh, that's it? No, but in, in, all, in all seriousness, I, I get the sense you may be that type of guy too. Yeah, yeah, I've got a little bit of that to me. And it is, it is uh, there is an aspect of your character on both sides, right? If you like compliments too much, no bueno. Yeah. But if, if you always have to make a funny wisecrack, which I always do if someone gives me a compliment, uh, people just, you know, sometimes they'll stop you and go, hey, man, just say thanks. Yeah. Uh, I was being like, all right, all right. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Well, glad we got uh, that out of the way. And not the Gabe well, part, right. but my bullshit. We gave Gabe our happy birthday wishes. You guys wish him a happy birthday. 832-557-1095. And when you're done with that, and you are interested in either acquiring a new home or selling your home, you got to reach out to Laura Baker. She's a member of the Andy Allen team of Keller Williams. I'll keep this brief. She's really good at what she does. If you're in Central Texas, and that's you know roughly defined as anywhere from North San Antonio up to, dare I say, Colleen. Whoa. I think you need to give Laura a call and see what your options are, whether that's as a seller and if you're absolutely a buyer. Woo, it's a tough market out there. You better get a good realtor. That's Laura. Reach her at 512-784-0505. That's 512-784-0505. And I've got a little selfish plug that I've got to offer myself, Kevin. What do you think? All right. Have fun with yourself. I know it won't be the first time. Oh, it's not going to be the first time, and it won't be the last. Probably not the first time today. <laughs> that's Well, let's, let's keep this PG-13, <laughs> but not inaccurate. Listen. Let's focus. Smart man's Texas guide, as you call it, <laughs> or the thinking Texas football Longhorn football preview, which is what everyone else calls it, because Kevin's so interested in my life and the things that I'm up to. I was kidding uh, around. I was trying to bring some levity to what I knew was going to be a boring pod. Oh, I know. I know. Well, it's going to get more boring here. I just want to let everyone know it is now up on all formats. You can get the paperback on Amazon. You can get the e-version on Smashwords. And if you are a Kindle reader, go to Smashwords, download it on M-O-B-I, Mobi. And because you'll have two choices of how to download it, EPUB and Mobi. If you are not super computer literate, you would not know, but EPUBs are not convertible on a Kindle. So go to Mobi, download it there. And it reads perfectly. Everyone tells me it's a beautiful read. Or you could read it on your computer. You just need to uh, download like an Adobe free digital reader or something like that. Then, of course, it's on Apple as well. So if you've already got an iPad or you're in the Apple ecosystem as I am, because once you're trapped in it, Kevin, you can't get out. Mm -hmm. uh, that's where you need to go. Everything's going great. I've, getting, I've gotten, speaking of compliments, I've gotten really great feedback on the book. And I'm, I'm tickled to death that people are enjoying it, both analytically and also for the humor. So, uh, and also kind of interesting, get this on Amazon. So Amazon on their paperbacks, if you're selling quite a few uh, in spurts, they have what they call dynamic pricing. And because the book is actually printed per order, uh, the price of the book is typically 1995, but it's right now it's down to like 1877 mm. because Amazon's been getting so much that they're able to print and they're using their AI, artificial intelligence algorithms, and now they're probably printing five or ten at a time, knowing that there's an audience. So the more you guys order, the lower the price goes. Kind of nice. cool. That's really cool. God, I wish everything in society worked that way. But uh, well, that's, that's cool they could play it out that way. I tell you what Amazon has nailed. I mean, it's, it's really impressive. It's just in terms of logistics and their ability with supply chain, their ability to use AI to, to – price things to evaluate it's it's shockingly incredible and it's no wonder jeff bezos is worth about 225 billion dollars wow not bad not bad at all no it's it's worked out well and i look i mean kidding around with you obviously for people that aren't familiar with paul's work uh for me there are a lot of good writers out there so uh i'm not saying that you're the only one but you're the best for me with texas sports you're a brilliant writer 
and the research you do for that especially, but just pretty much everything you do. You're so prepped to go with just how smart you are and how good of a writer you are. Uh, it, it really is a must read. In fact, BK and I were talking about it. We just finished a show and he said, hey, is Paul things out? Is, is his thing out yet? He's like, how do I get that? Because, I mean, he he knows that it, whether you're in the business or just a Texas football fan, you have to read it. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And uh, see, I didn't make a wise crack. Hey, took you took the compliment. You took the compliment. I could tell, We're though. Depressing as people on this podcast, Kevin. <laughs> there was a little bit of hesitation, though. Like, begrudge- begrudgingly, you kind of just like, oh, thank you. No, that's good, though. We're, we're getting better. Well, it's funny. The the book, I mean, I, I love to to illuminate. I love to analyze. And I love to share sort of a mutual conversation with the people that listen to this podcast, that read the book, that read my stuff on Inside Texas. It's fun because there's a lot of cool people that are that are into it and a lot of really interesting people. And, and But at the end of the day, honestly, Kevin, some of it's ego. I don't want to put a bad or even average product out in public and have my name attached to it. Yep. And it's a pride thing. And I wish I could say it purely comes from uh, beautiful light and joy in my motivations, but I got to admit there's a little part of it that's just based on ego. I don't want my name associated with crap. Yeah, I look, I think that's when ego can be a good thing. And, and you know, with some of the stuff I've done before and I'll be pissed off about it. Now, doing four hours a day, it's, you know, you're, you're not going to always want to be associated with, with some of the shows you've had. But you know that, like with me, like that, that, You've seen me after a show when I didn't like it and wasn't happy with myself. And you're like, all right, man, just just chill out. I think some of that can be good. You don't want to take it too far, though. Yeah, you're right. It's, I mean, ego is the enemy, but a little bit of ego, uh, there's some motivation attached to that too, right? There's some pride. There's, yeah, there's some pride. Um, there's some of the darker things in life that actually have some little benefits as long as you keep them tame, right? It's the... It's the old uh, Native American parable. Have you ever heard this? The wolf you feed? Uh, go for it. So, uh, I mean, who knows if this is like legitimate or if it's just a parable to illustrate something. But I always, I thought it was pretty good. And there's a, the idea is that there's a Native American elder and a young boy, a young brave, uh, talks to him about being a good man. And how do you, how do you become a good man or a good person? If I make it more broad. And... The elder says, there's two wolves, and one of them is comprised of avarice, greed, evil pride, maliciousness, uh, self-motivation, ego. And there's another wolf that's comprised of charity and kindness and, and honesty and integrity, and they live inside of you. And they're always in a constant battle. And the young brave said, well, how do you know who's going to win? And the guy says, it's the wolf you feed. Oh, very nice. Where, where'd you get that one there, buddy? I'm a Comanche. <laughs> just, he beat me to the punch. Uh, you know me too well. That's a good little, uh, good little lesson there. Uh, all right, Kevin. Don't, you know, just because I read it in a fortune cookie and I was impressed by it, you don't, you know, <laughs> no! you don't have to underplay it. No, I mean, I'm, I'm playing it, I think. <laughs> accurately there you're uh, like yeah I, I, it's good that meant something to you D- didn't mean much to me pretty simplistic but uh carry on there paul well that's what a parable is isn't it isn't, isn't it like usually a simple lesson or or story it, 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 that is the whole point of a parable that's it's what i thought lack, it's it's supposed to be illustrative it's that's, it's supposed to lack complexity right and that did all right well, uh, thanks buddy I'm, I'm a simple man i'm a simple i'm a simple man leonard skinner had it right <laughs> Now it sounds like we're giving back any compliments. I, we are. We, we've totally, we reverted to we've our totally destroyed the growth that we had early on we, there. I'm a, I'm a two-step-forwards, one-step-back kind of guy. <laughs> There's no question. I'm into Paula Abdul as well. Oh, good old Paula. The back older one. Back when she was one. a Laker girl. Yeah. I think she got on those pills a little too hard. Was, was J-Lo a Laker girl? I don't think so. No, no, no. She was no. a fly girl. She was a fly girl for In Living Color. Okay. Yeah. All right. She's and back with Ben Affleck. Are you excited? Yeah. She. I'm. Anytime I see her, I'm excited. I think she's one of the most <laughs> beautiful women uh, on earth. And I've seen her. You know, I love Latinas. I've seen her in person too. It was years ago during that whole real world thing, and we were at the VMAs, and she was with who's the white dude, uh, Chris Judd, and which is probably the least famous guy she's uh, married. 
but she, like even in person, you never know. I was guessing she was going to be hot. She was even hotter in person. You know what? I've heard that, and there's a few starlets like that who don't fully translate necessarily on the screen, and or or, or you know, and then you see them in person. And a, a famous one is, uh, I mean, obviously she's beautiful on screen, but apparently like a stunningly good-looking woman in person, Robin Wright. Do you know who that is? Robin Wright. I feel like I do. Who is that? Let me look her up. She's Hold the on. actress in Forrest Gump. She's the actress in oh, Princess Bride. Yes. yes. God, I, I, I am a, you can tell. Uh, now that got me excited. Different, okay, wow. Different parable. <laughs> this, we just went from a, a sports podcast and pop culture podcast to erotica. Relax, yeah, Kevin. Did. What's going on? Are you okay? So apparently she's even more stunning in person. Apparently, like, shockingly beautiful. Like, you stutter if she fixes her eyes on you. Wow. Uh, also in, uh, what was the Kevin Spacey Netflix show that uh, petered out after I, his accusations? Oh, I know. Uh, you're, I, I, didn't, I didn't watch it, but I know what you're talking about. Political. God, I'm so sorry. I'm blanking on it. Anyway, she's in it and freaking hot. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, apparently she's like that. And then I saw someone in person in Austin that I was shocked at how beautiful she was in person. Uh, you're going to go Sandra Bullock? No, I'm, actually, she's very cute. But, uh, I mean, she's obviously pretty on, on, on the show, but Saved by the Bell, Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Oh, you saw her in person? It's Tiffany it, Thiessen now. She's married to a uh, Texan and who went to SFA, and uh, she has a cooking show. So that's how I know. All right, I dig her even more. That's how uh, I know on that. Well, she, like in person, was shockingly good looking. And uh, she and uh, she was with that douchebag Brian Green or whatever from 90210. And oh, so this is years came, ago. Yeah, years ago. And he came up to us. He's like, hey, guys, you guys know a cool uh, rap club here? And oh, yeah, because like, he was a rapper. Oh, he thought he was. Oh, yeah, ex- yes. He, he was the best dancer at Beverly Hills High, Kevin. Oh, my God. Uh that that's but, that's one of those shows you look back on like a lot of them and you're a certain age and you just think oh, I'm glad I kept on developing. Yeah, it wasn't didn't quite hold up. It's not quite all in the family with Archie Bunker where you look back and you're like, "Wow, this is pretty pretty edgy. This is pretty good stuff." Yeah, right? or, or like Taxi where I liked it a lot more the older I got. You and I are simpatico on Taxi. Great show. All right. Well, hey, we got a little show here. We want to talk a little sports or are we going to are we going to bullshit around? I'm kind of enjoying this. You got any more Cool River type joints we can talk about? There's some nostalgia uh, in that. We've alienated the 7% of fans that we have that are female right now. So let's let's try to retain those beautiful ladies. How dare you. Well, ladies, I am going to be finishing the podcast with some Texas <laughs> baseball draft nuggets, so I wouldn't tune out for too long. Well, you know the other thing um uh like famously like stand-up comedians will do or like magicians and people like that like second-rate acts and like local places they'll kind of do at the end of the show like yeah well after the show i'm going to the quality inn off of 35 and uh anyone know where a good place i can get a drink around there yeah like like, they'll do the thing of like anyone wants to meet me after the show this is where i'm gonna be yeah so essentially if there's any chick here who thinks i'm good looking meet me there and there's any dude who wants to buy me a drink we're in or maybe it's the other way around whatever i don't care exactly right all right well we were ranking some hollywood celebrities and how they look in person we talked about robin wright and uh tiffany Thiessen now uh how about we talk about big 12 coaches yeah, let's do it. Let's rank those. Uh, I think, yeah, the, actually. Who's the hottest? <laughs> Patterson? Look, I know it looks different strokes for different folks. Uh, some people may not think he's a good-looking man. There's something about Matt Campbell and just the the primal the primal jaw that he has. I mean, he's bony, but I like it. He's got a Habsburg chin. He's got that <laughs> recessive chin from inbreeding. Oh, my God. Uh, Do you know the Habsburgs are, Kevin? Uh, the, the who? The Habsburgs? No. They're the royal family of England, Prince Charles, etc., descended from German royalty. So, interestingly, the, England is actually ruled by Germans, um, but uh, they have a famous chin, which is like a recessive chin oh. called the Habsburg chin. Yes, I, I've, I've heard of this now. I just didn't, didn't do research on this today. Yeah, uh, I, I I just threw that in there out of the blue. Fifteen but, fifteen years ago, but yeah, no, I have heard about I've I've heard that reference. I didn't know it was actually them. 
Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going Gary Patterson. I like I like a good sweaty bear. Yeah, that's disgusting. Plus, he'd berate you. Oh man, I think you're I think you're explaining kind of who you are. I'm trying to think of who else. Uh, who else would be in there? Are, are there any hot Big Twelve coaches? Look, our, our seven female listeners, you need to write in. The one to... at Baylor, Aranda. I bet you they think Aranda's good looking. Oh, yeah, he's got the shaved head. Yeah, um, Sark's not a bad Neil looking Brown. guy. Neil Brown. Neil Brown yeah. looks like a sales manager at IBM. Yeah. Yeah, he looked like he was in a frat with, like, a visor. Yeah, he, he was an SAE, wherever um, he went. Uh, what about Gundy? We got to – oh, come on. We love the – we love the mullet. Oh, not with the mullet. No, you got sh- to get rid of the mullet, man. Lincoln Riley? No. Kind of a no. Lincoln's got a little of faced an... man of the people. Yeah, that's probably a good way to put it. <laughs> Eyes are starting to, you know, they were starting to get close to cross at some point in their family genes, and then they s- split off and stopped having a family tree in the shape of a diamond. And he's four no. Uh, oh wait, kicks no. our ass. He's two Texas grads, two are his parents. Oh, no kidding. I didn't know that. All right, well, I, I, at least there's some You didn't some know that? that I'm surprised you haven't heard that a million times by this point. I've never heard that. And That's we lost out on him, and his parents went to Texas. All right, we're not going to rank how hot the Big 12 coaches are. Well, we, we, we kind of just did. Well, we're, we, you know, we're, we're amateurs. No, we're, let's get in. Speculating. Let's get into how good a coach is there. How about that? All right, so do we want to start near the bottom, or shall we start at the top and work our way down? Uh, first off, or should I just throw out a random name? Uh, let me actually get all the coaches in front of me right here. Just so you know, Kevin, Les Miles no longer coaching at Kansas. Yeah, I'm aware of that. I'm aware of that. All right. <laughs> Got Leipold. Also, Leipold. Tom Herman. Leipold, right? No longer the coach of Texas. Well, shit. Now, now I'm really going to be. You all need right. to read the preview. Yeah, truly. I do need to read the preview. All right, yeah, let's go through it. Do you want to start? I mean, we can start at the bottom, or we can just – actually, let's just start. Let's just start it. All right, here we go. Let me start at one if you want, or just throw someone out like you said. All right, I'm going to throw somebody out. Where do we put Neil Brown? Um, it's a good question. I've talked to some people and that really like Neil Brown that are in the coaching coaching world, and they're pretty high on him. I think this is kind of also weird because we've got two guys in Patterson and Gundy that what they've done, they should be really close to the top of the list. But then we can also say, well, I think both of us think Gary, especially they're at the end of their run now. And because they want to be at the end of their run, but I don't know how I would rank them today. If we're just talking about today or kind of what you've done in your resume. Mm-hmm. No, we're talking about within the Big 12, right? I mean, all these guys had some success previous and prior to the Big 12, clearly. Uh, so I'd, let's talk about where they are today now, which means Gary Patterson historically is an incredible coach, right? He's going to go in the coaching hall of fame, but we might have a different conversation about where he is now. So let's talk about like where people are. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Let's stay current on it. Uh, look, honestly, the answer with Neil Brown TBD. Um, yeah. That, that I, th- I think he's a good coach. I think he does do some uh, does some things well. And but I, I just don't. I have no idea where I'd rank him right now. And I don't know. In three years, I'll know that I either overrated him a little bit or underrated him. Yeah, he did obviously a very good job at Troy, but I, we're not really taking that into account. We're talking about the Big Twelve. I thought you know, one of the beauties of doing this book every year for the last nine years is I get to do a deep dive on every Big 12 team and every Big 12 program. Neil Brown took over a dire situation. Holgo left him a bad, bad roster, a bad situation. And Holgo was sort of love or hate with the players, but a lot of guys loved him. And when he left, a lot of those guys transferred out. And, and West Virginia got portaled hard. And I think Neil Brown's done a good job coaching the last two years. I mean, when I look at West Virginia and I really assess their talent, I'm not seeing a super talented football team from stem to stern, right? You've got the Stills brothers. You've got some random players for sure. I think they're maximizing. I think they're doing what I think he's doing the best he can at that program. If I had to, I, I would certainly say TBD, but I'd put him in the middle of the Big 12 coaches. I remember him. He was an OC at Tech, 
and then an OC at Kentucky, I believe. Um, Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely at Tech. I mean, I remember offensively talking to Major and talking to some of these different people about him, and and they respected him. Um, so, I mean, I think offensively he, he's he's a good coach. And I actually I completely agree with your comment on Holgo leaving them dry, and not or they were dry once he was gone, and that that was probably a tougher job than a lot of people think. So, TBD sounds like we're both leaning towards he's a good coach. Yeah, I think so. I think he is a good coach. All right, uh, let me throw out another. So Lincoln Riley, did we just put him at the top? Yeah, Lincoln Riley's the best coach in in the conference, if anything, because I like the proactive nature of – that was a tricky – had to fire Mike Stoops. He did fire yep. Mike Stoops, and he went out and made a really damn good hire, and I think we're seeing that with Alex Grinch. I figured that out at the time. I was a big Grinch fan at Washington State, and he was obviously at Ohio State, not even calling plays for a year, so – he had his eye out, and then offensively, he's one of the best in all of football, high school, college, NFL, you name it. Yeah, I can't argue against it. The, the thing that I was looking at for Lincoln was, okay, he's got this brilliant offensive mind. It, that can't even be like debated, no. right? You can't even throw the slightest hint of shade on it because if you see what he does with that offense, it's incredible. And here's the thing. So we know the difference between scheming, setting up during the week, and then the organization, and then actually using personnel properly, and then having to be able to call that play. You know, we get on Greg Davis. Greg Davis was like really good on a Tuesday with 11 X's and 11 O's on a chalkboard. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think you're exactly right, right? I mean, there was the famous, what, the Washington State Bowl game where he's like, oh, we didn't, we didn't anticipate them blitzing. Right. And it's like, Okay, so your whole game plan goes out the window and you lose to a sorry football team? Yeah, like, and the Stoops would do that. Remember 2004, the 12 nothing game? That was a cornerback blitz that they were running with <sighs> Antonio Perkins, and they just kept on running it, and there were just no adjustments because it hadn't been – it wasn't done on Wednesday. We were fucked. Why you got to bring up old shit, Kevin? Well, because I was adding to the point. That hurt. All right, I let didn't me, want to think about that. Let me, All right. Let, let me throw one out there for us. Are, are you good? Do you have anything else on Lincoln? No, I just say the thing that, that blew me away was the Grinch hire and the Stoops fire because yep. he owed that job to Bob Stoops, yeah. right? Lincoln does not get that job if he doesn't get anointed and blessed by Bob. And then he goes and he needs a year, right, to build up an evidence file, and he fires Mike. And there's a lot of young coaches who would not have the nuts to do that. And everyone obviously thought he needed to do it, but that's not how humans interact, man. You know. This is a guy he grew up with on that staff. It's it's the guy who looks up to his brother, and he has to call him in his office and fire his ass. That's not easy. And uh, on that day, Lincoln Riley became a man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dave Aranda, where do you got Dave as a head coach? Ooh, talk about a TBD. Man. I tell you what, he inherited uh, a bad roster at Baylor. Obviously, they had maximized under rule. They lost a lot on defense. He didn't get a good roster and he did a board. He got bad cards and he played them poorly. Yeah. And I don't think he did a very good job last year. He hired a terrible offensive coordinator. Uh, They did a really bad job managing the offense. They never could really decide what the early brewer. And if they wanted to go all in on him or keep him on a short lease or, you know, should you just bench the guy for his own good because of the concussions? I think he mismanaged the team, and they went two and seven. I, I don't think they were that bad. I think they were a sub-500 team. I do think he's a good defensive mind. I do think if he can find an offense or an offensive philosophy, he can salvage himself. But right now, he is like every great defensive coordinator who gets elevated to the big job. They think they can just outsource offense and go concentrate on the defense, and that's not what it is to be a head coach. No. Do you like the Jeff Grimes hire? Because I, I think, I mean, he did change change track pretty quickly. I mean, he brings in Grimes, and they're going to go to a lot of this wide zone. I mean, it almost feels like that is that is going to be the direction of his offense. But what about the Grimes hire? I love that he admitted his mistake in, in a year. Yep. Because it's very easy as a coach to have ego involved and think, no, I, I didn't make a mistake. That's, he was like, okay, this was a disaster. And so he did that in year one. That's a credit to him. And so that does suggest he at least has a survival instinct. <laughs> that's 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 good. Yeah, no, that is good. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it, you're right. It's much more TBD on him than Neil Brown. We'll we'll throw out a couple TBDs on some of these, and that's certainly those two. But they're also weighted differently. So yeah, he's a good defensive line. We'll see if if this works out. Chris Kleiman. I think he's a good coach. I think if you power rank him, it's it's hard to put him too high, really. I mean, because the, the Big 12's got good coaches, man. Yeah. And he's obviously a TBD. It's his second year. First year, I was impressive. He carried over the Snyder formula. They won in the margins, right? They started off the year gangbusters with a healthy Skylar Thompson. They upset OU. They're 3-0 and in Big 12 play, Kevin. Yay! And then they lost six in a row. Yeah. So... Uh, could they have weathered that loss of Skylar Thompson better? I'd say so. I mean, the thing that concerns me, sort of the, the opposite of Aranda, that defense really fell apart. And, and yeah, Kansas State, you know, they haven't played really good defense in a while. Like, they haven't played dominating defense for, for quite a while. But they were kind of scrappy, and, and they, they would excel at a thing or two. Last year's Kansas State defense was not good. And, and they were poor. I understand they have a talent deficit, but boy, they didn't feel very coached up in some instances. So that's what I'm going to be monitoring. But my instinct is he's, he's a pretty good coach. I, yeah, I think I'm a little bit higher on him than you are. I think he's a really good coach. Now, the North Dakota State stuff, you have to throw it. I think it was 69 and 5, 70 and 5 around there. Yep. It, you got to throw that out. That, that's, that's even a heightened version of throwing out the Boise State coach, right, in his record. Um, mm-hmm. whenever, whenever Dan Hawkins gets a job at Colorado, it's like, all right, we're going to find out just how, to, how good of a coach you are. Now, Chris Peterson got the job at Washington, and as we suspected, he was a really damn good coach. And not that you're a bad coach if you're winning there and even blowing people out and having those records, but when you get to the big boys and you get into a Power 5 conference, I, I like Kleiman. And look, one thing I did not like, I think you're right, they were not as fundamentally sound defensively as we're used to Kansas State being. I mean, usually they... Every gap is is filled properly. Tack, tackling is pretty solid. And I, I'm going to put a lot of it to injuries last year, offensively and even defensively for them a little bit. And I think mm-hmm. Kleiman's going to find his way. Uh, there's something about him that I think he's going to win. I buy it. Let me throw out a guy to you. Matt Wells. Man, just talking to Texas Tech people, I don't think he should coach an eighth grade team. Um, they they were ready to give up give up on him pretty quickly. He's another guy like Aranda that made that kind of okay. This year was awful, and we're gonna have to make some serious changes. And they've got a lot of roster changes. Look, he's in his third year. You can really say his second year. His first one was uh, was god awful. But I don't know. I mean, you know, I know he did well at Utah State, but. Uh, there's a huge TBD, but on this TBD, it's the opposite version of Neil Brown. My guess is he's not that great of a head coach. Yeah, I think he's in over his head. I think he brought in some pretty weak assistants with him, and I don't think he was able to adapt. And the most troubling thing for me is if you can't have a good offense at Texas Tech, because say whatever you will, they always get a quarterback. They always have pretty good offensive linemen, considering. And they always got some receivers. Yeah. No, they always got a good offense. And that goes back goes back a long way for us with Jamie Gill and Rodney Blackshear and guys like that. Absolutely. And so when you see that really decline, now the defense, that's been a, an issue for a while. Um, not just Leach. Leach actually had a, a few reasonable defenses, even a good one. But Kingsbury, that was a real issue, right? But, boy, you weren't you weren't – you weren't shocked if Texas Tech scored 50 points on somebody under Kingsbury. But, no. man, Wells has struggled in every facet of the game. It's hard for me to identify what he's good at. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a good question. And with Neil Brown, you know what it is. You know he's going to bring – they're going to have a pretty functional and, and good offense, especially considering some of the, some of the talent or they've been lacking, like we said. I don't know what Wells brings to the table. We'll see with Tyler Shuck this year – if their offense can be better, they've got easy E. Um, they return, they return some people, and they brought some people in. And then Sonny Cumbie is it, isn't that the new OC there? Yeah, he's back. Okay. So, so yeah, that should the, help out. The quarterback Kevin referenced was the starting quarterback at Oregon last year. 
he a uh, very talented guy and I mean, really talented guy. He has all the tools, 6'5", 220. He's fast. He's mobile. He was a little turnover prone last year at times. And the Oregon coaches kind of mismanaged it. They put him on a short hook and they tried to get playing time for this transfer from Boston College, who's just not that good. And uh, Tyler got pissed off and transferred. Yeah. And they thought that they were like sparking his competitiveness. And Tyler was like, I'm out of here. I'm going to go throw the football around and transferred to Texas Tech. So you better watch out when I'll you play you what, those it, games it, with a portal now. Well, that's it. And and look, if if Wells was going to say, look, Alan Bowman's overrated. He's the reason for my troubles. Alan Bowman's gone. He's in Michigan now. So he's got a guy. He's that quarterback is like straight out of the quarterback prototype guide. And uh, if he can't win with that guy, then Tech needs to go ahead and fire his ass. Yeah, I wasn't overly blown away by Shuck. I mean, he's got he's got talent. I get that, but you hit the nail on the head. He was turnover prone, so I kind of understand why why they were trying to fire him up. So it sounds like we got a thumbs down for Matt Wells. All right, I referenced this big, sweaty, sexy man, Gary Patterson. What do we think? Is he living off his laurels? Gary Patterson is not. I mean, look, he's still a great head coach, but in terms of what we're just looking at this year, I don't hold him in the the regard that I probably once did. I still respect him as a head coach and I feel like especially with the type of staffs Texas has had with Strong and Herman I mean he was winning those battles and kind of laughing at those battles probably throughout the week look the biggest thing for him is can he get good quarterback play and when he had Cumby and Doug Meacham when he had offensive people to run the show or Dennis Franchoni years ago um, or he, hell, he would have been the defensive coordinator for Franchoni but yeah when those guys were working together then then he's going to be – we know he's a really good defensive mind, and I, I don't think the game has passed him by there. I think some of the concepts – obviously he's not as cutting edge as he once was, but when he's got as many returning starters as he has this year, he's got, I think, 10 on offense and a bunch on defense, um, eight on defense. You know, I do feel like this is the end of the road for him because of the chances he's taken with Marcel Brooks, who – I've told you about off air. Uh, I mean, my my niece went to school with him, high school with him, and yep, whew, trouble. Um, and then Zach Evans, who obviously was a, a little bit, a, definitely a different thing. But for Brooks to to not work out at LSU with what was going on there, and for Gary to take them, I think it's I think it kind of shows that he, this is going to be his last run at it. I think you're right. I think it's desperation in a sense that he thinks he's got the culture that he can absorb that and direct them. But boy, in my Texas thinking Texas football preview, I said he's sitting on top of a knucklehead time bomb. Yeah. And if you get too many of those guys, you don't change them. They change you. Wow. Now that's how's that for a Native American? I was just thinking now that's poetic (laughs) right there. It's about time. It took a little while. You promised it, but it came. (laughs) This is the story of Fat Gary. Uh, uh, yeah, so no, I, I think you bring up some really good points. I, I do think TCU could be really damn good this year. Yeah, look, I do think they, they're sort of my dark horse for the Big 12 outside of the obvious picks of OU, Iowa State, Texas. Here's the fact, man. Last five years, TCU is one game over 500 in Big 12 play. Yeah. And here's another fact, which will irritate all of you. He's 4-1 and one against Texas during that time period. So yeah. if he didn't play Texas over the last five years every year, he'd be sub-500 in Big 12 play. And look, we focus on Texas a lot, and we're two huge Texas fans, but we're looking at this just all Big 12. So if you're looking at it from the Texas angle, a lot of these guys have been great coaches. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. Okay, well, so, well, you know what? Here's the other thing on gear. Go ahead. He cut a country album, Kevin. Yeah, he did. He That's did. a sign of decline. I don't like coaches with hobbies. I don't like coaches with lives. I don't like coaches with interests. He probably learned the names of his kids. That's not good. Oh, man. Don't become a dad. Don't do that. No, I don't want him to have quality of life. I don't want him to travel to Venice with his wife. <laughs> like, freaking go get some ballers, man. That's why I wish Saban had a life, because it would be great <laughs> just to be able to disprove your theory, but it actually doesn't with Belichick and Saban. What if Saban just started cultivating a Zen garden and doing haiku? Right. Or, or what if what if you just got a lot of pictures of him and he's all over Europe and you know he's just really living the life? Um, he's tripping the bonsai tree, smiling. 
Here's a guy who's, I think, in the same boat as Gary, and I don't think he's doing any of that. He is fishing and hunting. Where's Mike Gundy right now in 2021? Mike Gundy, I still have him up near the top. I might have him above Fat Gare right now, but I think it's neck and neck. Um, He's a great coach, man. He is. This guy's, so he's 137 and 67 at Oklahoma State. Wow. And, I mean, look, they've got pretty good facilities, right? They've got some good support in terms of, you know, that rich, that rich alum. Now, T. Boone died, though. But they're kind of minor league, man. And he's made them a very relevant football team. Yeah. And, and, you know, why would Oklahoma State be better at football than, say, heck, Kansas State or Minnesota or, you know what I mean? I yeah. mean, there's a lot of other programs that should be in Oklahoma State or could be in Oklahoma State. And I think a lot of it's Gundy. And I think he gets underplayed because of the I'm man, I'm 40 thing and the mullet and all that kind of stuff. But he's a good football coach. He really is. And uh, I thought last year's team could have done a little better. I thought they underachieved a little bit with their talent. They still had a successful year, but I think this will be an interesting year for him. I think Oklahoma State's not quite as good as people think. I think they're going to take a little step back in talent. A lot of it's on Spencer Sanders, but uh, I think Gundy's a good coach. I really do. And you know, I used to mock him a lot and on Bark and Carnival, and and you know, I never forgot the the fact that he's a good football coach. Look, he's done a lot. He's got six ten uh, ten plus win seasons in the seventeen years, which at Oklahoma State, man. Look, I know they're playing more games now, but still, that that's really damn impressive. I think the most impressive thing for me is because I always just took him as an offensive mind, and they were going to sling it. And yeah, he's had his problems with OU, but. Everyone's had problems with OU in this conference. That defensively, I think the adaptation that he's had of almost going positionless football, Rod talks about it a lot, but we've seen it. I mean, you and I have talked about it. Where a lot like Gary, too, who would get like 21 running backs back in the day in a 25-man class, and then they would end up be spread out all over the place, right? Turn them into linebackers, safeties, just all different types of positions. Freaking nose tackles. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, all of a sudden, well, yeah, if you go get a, a Chris Whaley or a Henry Melton, then you can certainly play around with that. And and I just like the way that he's built his program in developing people and more, important, more importantly, or just as important, evaluating people and going to get guys that, look, I, I don't need a bunch of four and five stars. I'd like to get those, but – we're going to do some do some serious shit with some three stars that we really develop. And he's done that defensively where he's, I think, kind of followed Patterson that way over the last 10 years. Yeah, I think you're right. And also on offense, you mentioned the offensive mind clearly because he's had a, he's had a conveyor belt of offensive coordinators yeah. and always been quite successful in offense. So, yeah, I think Gundy's a good coach. We're in agreement. All right, what about Matt Campbell? Matt Campbell's uh, – I like him a lot. Let me get that out there. I think is I he think, the second best coach in the Big Twelve, or yes. is he overdone? Yes, he's the second best coach in the Big Twelve. But I, I think some people would argue that he's one B or right there with with Lincoln Riley. I'll take Lincoln um, over Matt Campbell. But Matt Campbell is a damn good coach. I do think some people may be overrating. I mean, some people think he's he's on the short list of of college football coaches, and he may be. I think he's right underneath that. But he's the second best coach in the Big Twelve. I think he's terrific. I think he's the second best coach in the league. And I think people forget just how bad Iowa State is historically. Uh, this is this is a program that in its entirety, you cited that statistic for Gundy in 10 win seasons. Kevin, they've had three nine winning seasons in program history. Yeah, that's crazy. And he's responsible for one of them last year. And they're going to probably win nine games again this year at least. So, uh, I mean, this is like, it's not quite Bill Snyder at Kansas State, but we're in that realm. We're, we're knocking on that door. It's not quite that bad, but it's, it's within spitting distance. And he has elevated this program in Ames. They're second fiddle in Iowa, right? I mean, yeah. Oklahoma State's second fiddle in Oklahoma. They're second fiddle in Iowa. Yeah. I mean, at least Oklahoma State's near Dallas. You could go get some players, right? Yeah. I mean, they're the second fiddle in the, in the Hawkeye State. And, I mean, holy cow, he's done a good job there. And, 
Yeah, I think he's a good coach, and I think he's an, an A-level culture builder. I think in terms of culture building, he might be the number one coach in the Big 12. I Yes, that's a great way to put it, and I'm, I'm in on that. Obviously, I think so much of Lincoln and just what he brings to the table with the offensive coordinator and play caller, um, and like like we said, the, the proactive and deft way in which he dealt with firing Stoops and then making the right hire, so – I mean, look, I mean, there's still a little bit of the jury out, I guess, just the final step for Lincoln, and can he maintain it, and can he actually get in a playoff and, and win a game or two or maybe win the whole thing, but I think Campbell's right below him, and I, I it, it wouldn't surprise me if Matt Campbell's the next coach at either Ohio State or Notre Dame or someone like that. I know that he wants, he's very much a Midwest guy. Well, and I, you're or exactly right, and also... He's not looking for a transitional medium payday type of job, no. right? He's not going to NC State because they put together some money and decide a good coach, right? Right. He, he, he's going to go regionally, and he's going to go to Notre Dame, Michigan, or Ohio State. Yep, that's period. it. Those three, and that, that's, that's going to be it, which I, I thought that theory would get tested, and it would have – if Michigan State wasn't in the complete shit show that the whole athletic department is to some degree. and No kidding. You know what I mean? So, uh, But Michigan State would have been that real test that, okay, does he want to take that? But, no, I think he's waiting for those three. Hey, one criticism of Matt Campbell. Go for it. Did he lose his composure in the Big 12 title game? Yes. And did that carry over to the team? Yes. Young coach, right? Young coach. And as long as he learns from it. I mean, a lot of that fire and a lot of that piss and vinegar is is what builds that culture that you're talking yep. about. And so, but when you play that the way he did, it came off as we're getting we're getting screwed and we're getting the raw end, and that actually psychologically is not what you need during the game. No, and you know what? I think it conveyed to his players in a negative way, like no matter what you do, they're going to screw us. See, guys. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Instead of Hey, screw these refs. They're against us, like Oakland Raiders style. Go kick their ass anyway. Right. It it got into like a whiny, like throwing my hands up. It doesn't matter what we do. Yeah. They're gonna just they're gonna screw us. And the minute you convey that to your football team, no bueno. Yep, totally with you. It's not a good yeah, thing. Yeah, I forgive him, man. I think he's a great coach and I think he's young and I think he's going to reflect on that and grow from it. I think you nailed it. Yeah, they're going to make mistakes, but you don't want your team in the moment thinking about three plays ago, and that's what it felt like. And I think it did bleed from his energy. And and also, why the hell why the hell should we even try? Not that they were going to try in this game, but there can be a defeatist attitude. Like it doesn't matter what we do, you know, we're going to get screwed. And it's like, all right, no, all right, talk. Oh, so sorry, Kevin, I no. interrupted you. Oh, you want to do Leipold? Leipold, speaking of a team that no matter what they do, they're screwed. Let me talk about the 2021 Kansas Jayhawks because whoo, when I was doing my research on Kansas in 2020, I knew how bad they were. Kevin, I didn't know how bad they were. Well, have you seen there's 0 and 9 and there's 0 and 9. Yeah, they were 0 and 9. They were awful now do you see what's going on recently with the player that i mean i mean like they're they're having off the field issues which should not be the case the one thing they should have is a citizens citizens and good guys in a clean locker room yes i mean they it's the worst of all worlds less miles i mean look we called it that was a terrible hire from the get-go. What are you thinking, Jeff Long at Kansas? What a stupid hire. Desperation. And desperate desperate times calls for desperate measures, and but you gotta make you, you gotta try and make a better decision than that, man. I was amazed at the number of jackass traditional media outlets saying, This is a good responsible hire, a proven winner. And I'm like, this is a retirement account grab, you morons. Yeah. Les Miles is buying a lake house, you idiots yeah and i would argue during his prime that you think he's a better coach than he actually is overrated nitwit yeah good god what a joke and he drove that whole program into a cesspool not only in the locker room on the field he he opened up the portal didn't do any sorts of development went all juco all mercenary not in a good way either kansas state used to do it very constructively right in a very deliberate way 
Kansas just opened it up and said, take all comers. And boy, I feel bad for Lance Leopold. If you guys don't know anything about him, he was a success, a successful coach in the Mac at Buffalo, Mm -hmm. not a very easy place to recruit good football players. You know, Khalil Mack accepted, but have you ever been to Buffalo? I've never been to Buffalo. Oh my God. It is. Yeah. Yes. Everything you just said. I went there a couple times and I lived in the city and I just thought, you're right. I just thought, what the hell am I doing here? What the hell are y'all doing here? Well, you, did you go to Niagara Falls or something? What were you doing there, you weirdo? No, no, I was. I, I went the first time I lived in New York because Malik needed to get a jacket, a coat, and there was a guy who was going to hook him up up there. So I was like, you know, I mean, I was on that show and, and like, yeah, I'll take the ride, whatever. Uh, I'll go see what the uh, northern part of the state looks like. And then I went another time when I was living there, this most uh, recent time, and I went with a girlfriend. We were going upstate, and I we stopped there. That was it. You know, that's so funny, Kevin, because at a certain age, when you're young, you could just have a buddy. Be, I, mean, I distinctly remember a buddy being like, hey, man, my uh, family's got a house in Odessa. I'm going to go check on it. Do you want to come with me? Like, yeah, sure. And I was like, yeah, I'll yeah. go to Odessa. Yeah. I've never been there. Yeah, everyone's like Kramer. I mean, Kramer was like that on Seinfeld. It's like, no, yeah, I- I'm going but- to the uh, dry cleaners. You want to come? Yeah, sure. Yeah. And now I can understand if someone's like, hey, I'm going to drive to Santa Barbara. You, you want to come? You're like, sure, at any age. Yeah, but- right. But at a certain age, someone, your buddy's like, hey, I, I got a place in Odessa. Or I need to go get a jacket in Buffalo. You just go, okay. Yeah. Enjoy. Right. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, and it kind of shows the difference because Malik was just like, hey, do you want to come up? I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll hang out with you. Um, what but, age does that turn? But Well, I'm about to say, so I would have been 22 then when I went up with Lisa. I would have been 31, and I was having sex with her. So that's what got me up there. But okay. there's but well, there's usually... but there's no way if there's a buddy that I'm going up with them. Well, you never know what happens. Hey, <laughs> let's finish it off with the guy we've been omitting, the name we have not uttered, right? Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah. Um I guess there's some ret- you know, some still TBD, even though we know what he did at Washington and USC. USC you can kind of throw out, although I think he did some pretty good things there, talking with some Notre Dame people, Brian Driscoll especially. It's like, man, Sark, Sark was a pretty damn good coach, and he obviously scouted them a lot, playing them every year. Um, he did some great things at Washington. I think that if Sark really learned, and I think he did, but how much he learned and he can actually carry over from what he did, not only a little bit in Atlanta, but certainly his couple years with Saban, and use that to be able to build the structure of what this program is, then that that's going to go to a really damn good coach. I think he's a good coach right now. I think he could be a great coach. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I think you have to look at the distance traveled, right? Because there's a tendency to be like, well, let's look at his cumulative coaching record. 47 and 35, I'm not impressed, right? And you know what? At a certain level, by the time he was running near his end at Washington, you shouldn't be impressed. They leveled off, right? He, he rallied them from the cellar, had a big turnaround, but they never broke through. And he obviously did a couple of good things at USC – but I think the real growth happened, as you said, in Atlanta, at Alabama, you know, putting together his life again. He's always been a great quarterback coach. That's not debatable. I think he got better as an offensive coordinator well into his 40s. Yeah. And, and still might be getting better. He got better as a play caller, too. And he got better as a play caller. And then so we'll see with with that seasoning and some of his experiences, what that means for him as a head coach. You know, is he just a, a great offensive mind? Or can he make that total transition like a Lincoln Riley? But, hey, he got his Alex Grinch in year one. He didn't have to fire Mike Stoops. Good point. No, it should help out. Can he change the narrative that we're seeing from some of these recruits that, that yeah, they're fired up with him, but it, that the, it feels like they want to see this proven? And, and does it have to be proven in just one year, or do they need to see a couple years before people really jump on? One year will do it. One good year will do it. I, I, I believe that 100%, especially if he does it with a Casey Thompson or a Hudson card. Uh, and I'd also just caution people. We write the narratives after the fact on these coaches, you know, th- that these guys were inevitable. Nick Saban was not inevitable. Nick Saban was 34-21-1 and, and one at Michigan State, okay? LSU hired him, and the LSU fan base was pissed. 
Nick Saban was not inevitable when he was getting his ass kicked in the NFL with the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. Okay. There was nothing inevitable after Alabama's first year when Nick Saban sucked and Alabama sucked. There's, and you could talk to Major about how bad they sucked. Yeah, trust me, I have. We've, we've, uh, they were 7-6. and six. You know they lost to that year? Didn't they lose to, like, uh, Georgia Southern or something? Louisiana Monroe. Oh, I remember that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, isn't that crazy? I was looking, looking at that the other day. So, yeah, that's a good so, point. I would just say that not everyone's got the Urban Meyer flawless resume. That's actually quite rare. What's, what's more common is the Bill Belichick got his ass fired in Cleveland, grew, got a better situation, and then you realize, holy cow, this guy was a great coach all along. Same thing with Nick Saban. Something about those guys, they kept developing and they kept learning. And they also stuck to their knitting on what they knew was right, and they didn't let, let a lack of success in some other areas make that change. So I'd say judge Steve Sarkeesian on what he does at the University of Texas because I think he's a different guy than the guy that coached at Texas, I mean at USC, a different guy than coached at, U, at, at Washington, a different guy that coached at even Atlanta. I think, I think he probably learned and grew at Alabama, and I, I know he grew as an offensive mind because he put in some college concepts and some interesting stuff that he had never done before, and I think he's continuing that evolution at Texas. Good stuff, man. We hit all of it. We're almost close to an hour. I can save the uh, baseball nuggets for next week because that's not going anywhere. But uh, long story short, Texas, I think, really lucked out with the draft. And I think you're going to see some guys returning. Um, I'm glad to see Mike Antico, who's uh, got drafted in the eighth round. He's gone. Ty Madden was taken in the compensatory, I call it, comp first round whatever he's going to get 2.5 2.6 million that's the estimated slot and so he'll, he'll be gone um who else Cole Quintanilla ninth round he did tweet out that yeah I think he's going to go and take that next step but a lot almost all their signees I didn't see one signee drafted I think all those guys um will be coming and this is going to be a loaded team Ivan Melendez was taken really late too so Ivan Melendez may come back you could get yeah, I'm telling you, man, he'd probably play first. Eric Kennedy wasn't drafted. I would think he's coming back. Pete Hansen's probably or definitely coming back. Um, I, I think this is going to be a loaded Texas baseball team next year. And the talent they have coming in with some of these guys that are coming back and even some guys that are coming that didn't play this year be a really stacked team. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing the talent coming in is special. It is. It is. And and the only guy we really worried about was um oh heck, what's his first name? Um I'm uh now I'm way, way too far into doing radio today. Um Stewart. Josh Stewart. And he's a right hander. That was the only kid worried about a little bit. Jace Hutchins is from Blinn Junior College. He was someone who could have been on their radar. There's a really good hitter, a guy you're gonna like, real physical guy, Gavin Cash, who's uh left-handed hitter who can really hit he could come in and he's one of the top hitters in the state ace white cash yeah you like that gavin cash with a k do we know anybody who's uh pretty amazing with cash carrie and keith cash do we know any other people that are really good with telling you what to do with your cash <laughs> i'm messing around dude i knew exactly where <laughs> you're going yes of course that would be david mcclellan david is a fiduciary financial advisor he is from forum financial and, Paul, he just does so many good things for our clients. I mean, look, it's a free consultation, which is great. But, really, he focuses on building wealth and also retirement planning. And, look, a lot of things have changed in the last year, two years. That can be true individually, certain, certainly as a whole economically. I know a lot of people have been feeling that. So, hey, if it's a free consultation and he can help you out, we know this guy. He's incredibly sharp. And he's really seen every side of the business, something I bring up a lot. But I don't know. I, I think that's anytime you're in an industry and you kind of know how the whole thing functions and flows, then you're going to have a better idea of what to do, especially when you've been doing financial advising like he's been doing. Well, Kevin, I'll say it. And David will not say this. This is not his reflection of his views or anything like that. Truth is, a lot of financial advisors are salespeople. Yeah. Okay. And that's that's fine. And I'm sure there's some very good ones. If you can find someone with a little more depth to their resume, I just say it behooves you to pursue talks with those gentlemen. Totally agree. 
Give them a call, 312-933-8823. It's 312-933-8823 or D. McClellan at Forum Fin, F-I-N, for financial, um, <laughs> dot com. <laughs> not like, not like the, not, not like a shark fin. No, or a swim fin, which I have uh, confirmed is illegal. You cannot do a race with a swim fin on. Oh, uh, wow. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm a super sharp guy. You guys should definitely buy my book. It's really insightful. Yeah, no, it actually is, even though you may not take that from from Paul right there. Uh, all right, man, had fun. Like always, this thing flies by. Uh, at some point, maybe the next couple of weeks, we may be releasing, may take a week off and release uh, so some of the things that we have canned, which I think is really good material, and I think they'll enjoy it. Yeah, I think you're right. And as always, we'd like to hear your feedback. If you have some feedback on the Big 12 coaches as we rank them, as we discuss them, hey, we want to hear it. Trophy mailbag at gmail.com.